Hello, this is Chuka here on another episode of We Talk Our Health, Seven the Underserved, creating awareness in underserved communities and people living in low to middle income countries. Today we have Dr. Fordu here with us. She's a mad peds physician that works at John Hopkins University Hospital. She is a strong health educator here to talk diabetes and educate us about that. Dr. Fordu, on to you. Today, um, well, Chuka, thank you for inviting me to speak to everybody. Um, very excited to talk with you all about diabetes, and um, I will just get started. So today we are just going to talk about type 2 diabetes and um, just teach you guys a little bit about um, the disease itself and then ways to help manage it, help prevent progression, and even prevent the disease itself. And so our objectives today are to understand what type 2 diabetes is, ways to prevent and control type 2 diabetes, and then some tools for success. And so, hi, I'm Dr. Maka. I am, um, my name is Amaka Ahwadu. I am a recent graduate of Prisma Health Internal Medicine and Pediatric Residency. And so currently I live in Baltimore, Maryland, where I'm practicing as an internal medicine and pediatrics physician at Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center. I am a Nigerian American, uh, back home from Emo State, and I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. And so this is a picture of me um, around graduation time with the skyline of Kansas City. And so I did want this to be a little interactive. And so I was wondering if everyone knew how to use the um, tool on Zoom where you can like raise your hand or send a reaction. Is everybody aware of that? I could see some people sending. Perfect. So if you could send like a thumbs up or a reaction if you know somebody with type 1 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes. Okay. Um, did you, do you know there was a difference? Did you know of a difference? And so basically, what is diabetes? And so in general, um, diabetes mellitus is the inability to produce or use insulin for energy. And so you have type 1 and type 2. And so type 1 is where you have a lack of insulin production. And then you have type 2, which is a progressive disease that stops the body from using insulin properly or causes abnormal insulin secretion. So I've mentioned this word insulin, right? What is um, insulin? So insulin is a hormone released from your body, right? It's released from an organ called your pancreas, which sits inside of your stomach. And what that does is that it helps to control blood sugar. And so blood sugar is an energy source that we get from food. And so our food is broken down into three major things, proteins, carbohydrates, which end up becoming sugar and fats. And so insulin gets released when we eat if you look at this little picture and so we have this man who's eating his food no matter if it's a sweet treat like a cake or cookie or an apple or if it's a piece of bread it all gets broken down into a carbohydrate which is sugar or glucose these g's so that glucose gets into our bloodstream our pancreas releases insulin which then tells our body okay now you see this sugar inside of our bloodstream let's send the insulin to tell ourselves let's take it in so that we can use it as an energy source. And so if you see this man here all um, wired up, ready to go with a lot of energy to be able to do the functions of the body to that the body needs. And so how do you get diabetes? And so diabetes is a combination of both genetics and then some lifestyle things. How do you live your life and what do you do? And so risk factors for developing diabetes is family history. You have a family member with diabetes, it increases your risk. Advanced age, the every birthday you get and makes your body work a little bit harder to do some of the day-to-day -day things. 
overeating leading to central obesity. And so this is not the obesity that we see when you look at the BMI chart. We know that that BMI chart does not take into account the muscle mass or the different dimensions of a, person, of a person's body type. But central obesity is truly just excess um, weight that is from overeating, a sedentary lifestyle. And then um, if you have a personal history of high blood pressure or high cholesterol. Uh, and then the other things are some changes in your body can lead to diabetes. And these changes in your body tend to happen based off of how you eat, how active you are, and then what your life is looking like at that moment. And so if you have increased insulin resistance, and so if your body is not responding to the sugar and your body is seeing the insulin and not really doing what it needs to do by taking that sugar from your blood cells, bringing it into from your bloodstream, bringing it into your cells so that you can use it for energy. If you have a dysfunction of insulin release, if you're, that organ called your pancreas isn't releasing insulin the way it's supposed to, and if you have high inflammation in your body. And so the higher levels of inflammation leads to every cell in your body not functioning to its highest potential and can cause some damage. And so if you have those genetic makeup where you have that family history, you're um, advanced age, then you have some of these other risk factors that come with your lifestyle. How are you eating? How active are you? Do you have high blood pressure, cholesterol? And are you doing things to increase the amount of inflammation in your body? These two things are how we end up having type 2 diabetes. And so how common is diabetes? It's, um, the prevalence in Nigeria itself, last study that they did to look at how many people had it in general was back in 2017, and they showed 11.2 million Nigerians, which is about one out of every 17 adults. And then most recently in 2021, they had looked at how many people in general had prediabetes, which is where you're at a point where you have high enough blood, high enough sugar in your blood that is not necessarily at the point where you're at diabetes, where you're at that risk of having some complications and that true diagnosis. But within the next few years, if you don't make any changes, you will be right there. And so in 2021, they have recognized 15.8 million Nigerians with prediabetes. And around that time, we also noted that one in every five Nigerians have hyperglycemia, hyper being high, glycemia meaning sugar levels. And so high levels of sugar inside of their bloodstream that is not being used as energy, that is just hanging around there, causing damage to your body. And then in the United States, it's about 37.3 million people. This was um, done, this number was from 2022. And then 12.7% being Black Americans, reaching about 4.4 million people and then 96 million with prediabetes. So why does it matter? Why does it matter if you have diabetes? Why does it matter if you have high levels of this blood sugar, high levels of blood sugar just hanging around in your body? It matters because of the complications from it. Diabetes is a leading cause of blindness in adults. Um, and so vision loss is a major complication. Neuropathy, people who have that pain, burning, numbness, tingling sensation inside of their hands and their feet, non-healing wounds, uh, which lead to losses of limbs, heart disease, kidney disease, complications with maintaining pregnancies and childbirth, congenital abnormalities in babies delivered from moms with high, um, high blood sugar, death, and stroke. And so not controlling your diabetes or getting to the state can lead to some major, major life changes in the negative way. And so how do we prevent it? You want to um, maintain a healthy weight for you, right? Healthy weight with low excess fat. A healthy weight for me is a different weight for you. And so working with your provider, talking to them and making sure that you stay on track, try to stay active. Uh, we just need three and a half hours a week of moderate activity. That's about 30 minutes a day. And this ac moderate activity means that with 
you're done, you're breathing like this. That is enough activity that's working your heart and working your muscles enough to let your body know like, okay, we're able to now utilize some of that excess sugar that is hanging around in your bloodstream. So it doesn't just stay and camp out. It's now being able to be told to be utilized to help move our bodies and keep us active. You want to try to stop avoid, stop or avoid tobacco products and limit your alcohol intake. And so tobacco products cause for increased inflammation inside of your body and the high inflammation leads to dysfunction of your cells, specifically the cells that help to release insulin. And then alcohol, excessive alcohol intake impacts your liver, which impacts their body's storage, like where we try to keep blood sugar in case we need it later on. Um, so having high levels of that will cause just dysfunction from the whole entire cycle from working together. Try to maintain a healthy and diverse diet. I will talk later in our slides about some food options to use. And then check in with your provider. As I was doing my research, I had noted that about 80, they had said 81 million people have prediabetes or have type 2 diabetes and have absolutely no idea because they're not checking in with their provider. Diabetes is not necessarily something that you can feel. It's not something that you're going to go to your doctor and you say, oh, I'm having pain here or I'm feeling uncomfortable here. You will not start having actual like physical manifestations until it gets to the point where it is so bad. Right. And so when you start having those actual symptoms of diabetes, we've gone to a point where it is now causing um, now causing some complications that we might not be able to reverse. And so what is that? And so I love to say a healthy diet is a very colorful plate. You want to make sure you have vegetables, fruits, grains, dairy, meats, oils, everything. The American Diabetes Association likes to recommend this um, healthy plate. And so the plate that is listed on your on the left side of the screen is what the American Diabetes Association recommends, where you have half of your plate is a non-starchy vegetable, a quarter of it is a carbohydrate-like food, um, a quarter is a protein, and then for your drink, you're having water or a low-calorie low sugar drink. And so a lot of times my patients ask me, what can I eat? Because you tell me I can't eat carbs. I can't eat this. I can't eat that. And so I just wanted to give you guys some information about some healthy options to eat if you're trying to prevent diabetes or even prevent the progression of it. So you want to try to eat more non-starchy veggies. And so those are your green leafy vegetables, your kale, spinach, collard greens, broccoli, asparagus, okra, zucchini, yellow squash, peppers. I don't, I do not subscribe in eliminating things side of if it is like alcohol, tobacco, things like that, they can hurt you. But I do say, let's keep doing what makes you happy because I do feel like food is an enjoyable thing. It's something that brings people together. And so when you are eating some of these things that aren't best for you, just eat them in moderation. And so you want to eat high starchy vegetables in moderation. So that's your potatoes, your yams, your rice, dried or fresh fruit, pasta, dairy, plantain, pumpkin, green beans, and sugary drinks and sugary foods. I love a slice of cake from time to time and so if you want that cake and you have diabetes there's nothing wrong with it just make sure you're eating it in moderation and when it comes to protein you want to try to eat more lean protein so like your fish but sauteed or baked not fried chicken turkey so your poultry like um meat items like legumes or nuts hummus and falafel and seafood so these all give you a lot of good protein and it does not have that high fat and so you want to try to eat in moderation um higher fat protein so your red meats, like your beef, your lamb, and your pork, and your processed red meats. So your bacon, your hot dogs, spam, sausage, and beef. And then your fried meats or fish. And the reason why you want to try to eat these higher fat proteins in moderation is because they've actually been shown to have, if you have a lot of this in your diet, there is a higher risk or a higher association with those who have high red meat intake with diabetes. And they believe that it's because the 
pain. And so the iron inside me leads to high inflammation. It also negatively impacts your beta cells. And so your beta cells sit in your pancreas and those are the cells that release that insulin that we need. It causes for um, insulin resistance, and which is basically like you're not responding. So you, you see all this sugar, your body sees all this sugar and it just doesn't want, doesn't care that the insulin is being released to try to use it. It's just hanging out there. And so trying to limit these meats will help decrease your risk and decrease your chances of having diabetes down the line. And then when it comes to cooking, cooking oil is important. And so you want to um, try to use these preferred oils, which are the monounsaturated oils. So like your avocado, olive, peanut, safflower, canola, and polyunsaturated oils, which are like black seed as well as canola oil. And you use in moderation the high saturated and so that's your palm oil, lard, animal fat, butter, coconut oil, and palm kernel oil. So the issue with saturated fat is that this gives you the bad cholesterol. And so these are the cholesterol that helps, that causes heart disease, the cholesterol that sticks to your arteries and leads to cl- clogging of your arteries that increases your risk of having strokes, um, heart attacks, and things of that nature. And so... Uh, was another way for us to try to prevent this by getting active. And so I mentioned earlier that we will always have some blood sugar inside of, um, some sugar inside of our blood. And that could be natural and that could be normal. What gets dangerous is when you have so much to the point where now it's causing damage to our blood vessels as well as our nerves. And so we can try to limit how much extra sugar we have by what we eat, but we can also combat it by how active we get. Because if we stay very active, we're now telling our body, hey, for me to be able to run, for me to be able to walk, I need to fuel my muscles. And so let's use this extra sugar that is just hanging around in our bloodstream, bring it into those cells so we can use it for energy, so we can do whatever activity we need. And so we only need about three and a half hours a week, which ends up being about 30 minutes a day. And you can do things as simple as walking outside if it is, um, if your neighborhood allows that. Joining a sporting activity could be something as uh, active as basketball or soccer, or it could be something as calm as kickball, roller skating, swimming, and dancing. And so some of my patients will always talk about how it's hard for them to get active and that they don't really know where to start. Um, so if your living situation does not permit you to be able to go outside or be able to join a sporting activity because of time, financial constraints, or just um, location, it might not be as safe. Most people have one of three things. They have a phone, a TV, and a computer. And so with that, YouTube is free. You could plug into YouTube, um, a dance aerobics class. You could put in any type of class and you can spend that time dancing, working out, moving your body, or doing some sort of hit class online. You can use those things. There's a lot of guides that will also help depending on what level of activity you're already at, whether you're a beginner or advanced. And so if we have diabetes, you know, there is some monitoring that needs to be done. You want to try to see your provider every three to six months, but to check your blood sugars, um, especially if you are using insulin as a treatment measurement, want to check your hemoglobin A1C, which is the average of your blood sugar over the past three months. You need a yearly eye exam because uh, the high blood sugar does impact our eyes very negatively. And you want to do a yearly urine test, which helps to check to see if your diabetes has led to kidney disease. And then treatment. We want to really talk to your provider about the best treatment options for you. Um, we have two mainstays, which are your anti-hyperglycemics, anti-meaning stop or negative, hyperglycemic high sugar. So these are pills that help prevent creation of like more blood sugar, um, helps your body release it, and helps your body release more insulin to be able to utilize, to use that blood sugar. Or insulin itself. And so because you can, your body might not produce as much of it or the amount 
that you're releasing is not meeting the needs, then you can just use it. It will give you insulin and you'll inject yourself to give yourself the insulin that you need to be able to use that blood sugar in your body. And so some tools to help empower yourself with this um, if you are very motivated to help out yourself or help out a family member who um, the WHO has a very good um, diabetic fact sheet. If you go to who.int, the American Diabetes Association also has a really good fact sheet at diabetes.org. They have a lot of great information about um, learning more about what diabetes is, um, what things you can eat, how to get active, and then how to manage some of the complications from it. And then also the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC.org has a great sheet as well. And so um, let's try to stay connected. I love doing talks and things like this. And so um, these are just, if you have any questions for me, you can email me at thedrmaka at gmail.com. You can follow my Twitter or follow my Instagram here. These are my resources. And then this is my family. It's so, um, I would just like to open the Thank you so much, Maka. That was, that was great. Um, and um, I think um, we will do it this way. If anyone has any questions, just, you know, use the uh, great hand um, like we've done before. And um, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll address the question. Or you can just send a question to the chat. But um, I guess I can ask one question. What's what's the deal with the Zempic? What do you mean? Like, why are people running towards it? People who don't even yeah. have that, why are they running towards it? Yep. So Ozempic is a injection that you can take that has been shown to decrease the amount of blood sugar pretty drastically. Um, it also helps manage diabetes and high blood pressure. But they were finding out as they were doing the clinical trials with Ozempic that a side effect or like a benefit side effect is that a lot of the participants were also losing weight. And they ended up losing weight because in a way it kind of pricks the mind into not having that huge urge to want to eat. And so they were feeling full very quickly. They didn't really have that like nagging sense, like, what am I going to eat? And so their intake dropped as well as they just felt poor because they ate less. And so as in a benefit, right, lose weight. And then it got to the point where the Ozempic creators were like, well, we can just streamline this as a weight loss medication and it will control people's blood sugars, whether or not it's high or low. It's not, it doesn't drop your blood sugar like insulin does or like some of the other medicines, it just helps to control it. And so then it became a weight loss medicine. And when it became a weight loss medicine, people were running to it because it was very simple. You do an injection once a week and you can lose all this weight. And so the it, it became kind of an, a bad thing at one point in time because a lot of our patients weren't able to get their medicine because you had people using it for weight loss who really didn't need it. You know, it looks like a good, for some people, it was a quick way out. But for some of my patients, it did really do well to help them lose weight. But it's just one of those things where now um, we just have to be careful as prescribers to um, be mindful. Like, okay, if you're giving this for weight loss and they need it, give it to them. But we also have these people who have really bad diabetes that need the medication as well. Thanks. Yeah, there are a few questions in the chat. Dr. Maka, if you wanted to talk about those, we got like four or five. Um, wait, so I'm going to stop sharing my screen so I can see them. <laughs> Beautiful family, by the way. Yeah, great, gorgeous. Thank you. This was um, just recently at graduation. So I so the first one is, is diabetes reversible or in remission? So, okay. If you, early detection is very key. Diabetes, you can, depending on where you are at, you can reverse diabetes. And so a lot of people, um, if they lose weight, they get active, start changing their diet, they can, you know, cure their diabetes. Now the issue is that really typically happens when you when you find out that you have diabetes pretty early on. If you've already had um, some of those longer changes to how your pancreas changes how it releases insulin, 
if your body is already like adapted to having high levels of blood sugar, that's really hard to change in reverse. And so at that point, it's just preventing it from progressing and getting to those long-term complications that I mentioned before, that kidney disease, the heart disease, um, vision loss, and neuropathy. And so I see the next question is, what are the first signs of excess blood sugar without an actual laboratory test? And so it's hard to tell. Um, it's one of those like silent killers. You can't really tell unless it has gotten to the point where it's just so high that you can become very confused. You can start having uh, neuropathy where you have burning, pin, uh, like pins and needles like sensation in your hands and your feet. Um, some people will get brain fog. Some people will just, um, some people also will start to have like heart disease. And so they'll start having chest pains because that blood, because the sugar, basically the extra sugar in your blood can cause damage to your blood vessels and also damage to your small nerves. And so by causing those damage to your blood vessels and damage to your nerves, it ends up leading to that heart disease, um, ends up leading to that neuropathy, ends up leading to difficulty being able to heal wounds, um, vision changes, uh, and things like that. And so it's really hard to know um, if you have excess blood sugar without checking it or and early on. You really only find out when you start having those really bad symptoms where it's just very high. you mind if I add something to that? Yeah. So, yeah, so some of the, um, well, well, that's why we say see your doctor at least once a year um, so that you can get checked. But sometimes you can, you can also have things like um, excess thirst, you're very thirsty, or you can have um, just notice that you're going to the bathroom too many times. Um, not something's changed. If you're going to the bathroom maybe 10 times and you just don't know why, um, that, that can be another sign that your blood sugar is, is, is high. But in, in our setting, um, being that we're mostly in the hospital, um, we do see people just come in with really bad cases like Dr. Fodor described, um, heart problems, uh, what we call DKA and, um, just very high blood sugars where they end up in the ICU. So I think what's paramount is going to see your doctor at least once a year, um, because like Dr. Ford said, this can be just a silent problem that you just don't know when it's going to hit you. Uh, is there any connection or link between diabetes and glaucoma? And so diabetes tends to cause more cataracts. I would not be, I would not be surprised if it causes glaucoma as well. I'm not sure. Do you guys know? I feel like I've seen mainly cataracts and not necessarily glaucoma. I don't think there's a direct link. Yeah, I think it's mainly cataracts. Okay, thank you. Uh, and then next question. In other words, what everyday symptoms... Okay, we saw that. Yeah. Excessive thirst, frequent urination, not diarrhea. What causes insulin resistance and dysfunction? And so a lot of things that can cause that are um, high inflammation. And so if you have um, high inflammation either from what you're eating from how you're living, from smoking, drinking, doing things that can impact the cells that help to release your insulin. And so when I say insulin resistance, I'm really talking about a phenomenon where imagine if um, imagine if you are at home, right? You're at home, you're washing your dishes every day and it's just you. So you're washing dishes for yourself. So you can wash your dishes, clean your kitchen and it'll be, then you have 10 friends who come over. You wash those 10 um, dishes, takes you a little bit longer, but you get to handle it and you're good. You clean up your dishes, you go to sleep. Then you have 50 friends. So you're washing dishes. You've washed about 20 or so of them. And you're like, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to leave the rest of them there. That in a way is like that insulin resistance, right? So you're, you are insulin. So you're working, you're trying to get rid of those dishes. You're trying to clean them up and take them away. But if it's just too many of them, your body is just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so um, that high inflammation leads to that. The other thing is the diet, what you're eating. Um, if you're eating things that are 
high in carbohydrates and like when you break it down you break that food down you have all that extra sugar your body is just gonna stop reacting to it the way that it should uh and then also if you're not as active and you're not forcing yourself or like telling your body that hey we need to use this that can lead to the high insulin resistance now the insulin dysfunction tends to happen when those cells are infected and so that can be impacted by that high inflammation i mentioned earlier by um some foods that we eat that just negatively affect the beta cells excuse me and then with age um, as we get older some of our cells don't function as well and then that also leads to that um, insulin or beta cell dysfunction and so um i actually did a so for the next question is how do we diagnose diabetes um i did a rotation in nigeria at um in abuja both the private and a public hospital and it's very similar to the way that we do here in the united states by using a hemoglobin A1C um, or a certain cutoff of, of the level of glucose inside of your bloodstream. Cool. Yeah, I was just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just didn't know what kinds of medications are available, if all the same medications are available or or not so much. Um, so I, from my personal experience, and if anyone else has any experience, please chime in. A lot of the medicines are the same. The issue with Nigerian health system is that the medications do not go through the same clearinghouse that we have here with the FDA. And so although we have like the metformin, the glipizide, all those things, it seems like anybody could make them. And so you just have to be more careful with the manufacturer that you're buying the medicine. But most of the meds are the same. Cool. I think we have like the GLP-1s. Um, when I was back home, it was mainly like the antihyperglycemics, but not necessarily the injectables that we have. That makes sense. There's another question. How much is diabetes linked to genes from parents or relatives? So that's that's the topic of discussion right now. And there's a lot of studies going on to try to find specific genes that can lead to it. But it has been said through and through that if you have a family member with diabetes, you are at about a 10 to 11 times like higher chance of developing it yourself. They've done studies on identical twins and 90% of the if you have an identical twin who has diabetes, 90% of the time you are going to develop it right after them. And so there is some genetic connection. And I think some of that has to do with just how your body responds to things. And so like, how well does your um, pancreas work to release the insulin? How well does your body detect that blood sugar? And tell, um, how well does your body tell itself like, hey, we need to take this sugar and use it for energy instead of just leaving it hanging around. And so a lot of it is linked to it. We just haven't been able to pick out that exact gene just yet. Which is also why I think it's very important that if you have family members with it or your parents or your cousins, relatives, as soon as they start finding out that they have diabetes, you need to take it upon yourself to try to prevent it. Because if they have it, there's a very good chance that you you can become an ex if you don't take, make some changes. Okay, so next question. What are the diabetes, what are the side effects of diabetes drugs over a long period of time? Are they dangerous to the organs over a period of time? And so for uh, the medicines that we tend to use, I believe that anything... Um, depending on how your body changes, can be toxic or can be positive, right? It all just really depends on the individual person. Now, there are some medicines that if you do have kidney disease, if you do have heart disease, it is not safe for you to use those um, antihyperglycemics, so you shouldn't take those pills. Um, there are also some times where insulin um, can be dangerous because it can just drop your blood sugar too low. 
Um, so over a long period of time, every medicine has its own different side effect profile. It's really important to just check in with your doctor. And if you're taking the medicine and you're starting to feel different, like, you know, your body, right. So if you start to feel different, if you start having some complications, make sure you have that open line of communication with your provider so that they can make the adjustments to the medicine. There are so many different medications that we can take to help treat diabetes. There's no reason to be on one that is causing more problems than good. Um, next question. I read somewhere that type 2 diabetes is, oh, to be answered, is reversible. How possible is that? So um, I got to answer that earlier. If it's diagnosed pretty early and you lose weight, change your habits, change your diet, change your activity level, it can be. Um, are there natural therapeutics for diabetes? I would say the most natural way to treat your diabetes is to lose weight, to eat well, to exercise. That is the most natural way to do it. I am, um, I would say, that statistic that we had earlier, the one in five Nigerians have high glucose. Um, I felt that very true to the core because about half of my family members, I can list off all of them who have diabetes, including my father, my mother's brothers and sisters. Everyone has it. It's all throughout my family. And because I know that it's all throughout my family, I make a very big, um, I'm very intentional about staying active. I'm very intentional about watching what I'm eating because I do not want to take a diabetes medication. I don't. I don't want to do it. I don't want to, I want to use insulin. I want to have neuropathic like pains. I don't want to have to deal with any of that stuff. And so the most natural way for you to do it is to just try to live that lifestyle to prevent it from even happening. Just a question for family members. If a family member has a uh, history of diabetes, what kind of uh, routine checks should they go for? So they so if you have a family member who has diabetes, um, please help remind them that they should see their doctor or their provider every three to six months. And the reason that we want you to check in um, every three to six months is that there can be a lot that changes in that time period. And so the hemoglobin A1C is how we tend to check how your diabetes is doing. And we check that about every three months. And so um, at that three months checkup, they'll probably check your lab, see what your hemoglobin A1C is to see where are we at with our diabetes control? Are we very well controlled? Are we not as well controlled? Or have we reversed it? Do we not have diabetes anymore at all? And so check out that much. They might make some changes to your medications. They may just leave it the same. And then every year, it's very vital because at that yearly point, you're supposed to also see the eye doctor to make sure that you don't have any changes to your vision or you're not developing a cataract from your high sugar. And then also doing a urine test to make sure that the diabetes has not impacted your kidney. Like I said before, that high sugar, it damages your blood vessels. And there's a lot of blood vessels within our kidneys. And so if we have that high sugar that hangs out there, it will cause damage to that kidney and make it really hard for your body to be able to clear things and cause um, uh, make it hard for your kidneys sorry, to function and to clear things the way that they should. And so we check urine to see if there's any kidney damage that has been done. Um, and so we have seen people who are underweight, it die. Uh, underweight get diagnosed with diabetes. So how do you explain that? Um, so we that's explained because of just those other changes that I had mentioned to how your um, how your blood how your sorry how your beta cells release insulin. If there is dysfunction in that, you can get diabetes. How your um, body responds to the blood sugar in your um, bloodstream that can also cause the diabetes. So it's a combination of the fact. And if you have high inflammation, and also it's you can, um, most of those people who are underweight, they might not have been that way the entire time, you know? And so there's a lot of other contributing factors that can lead to diabetes, but those mainstays is trying to decrease your excess adiposity, right? So your excess fat. Uh, you can be a skinny person and still have excess fat. And the amount of excess fat is different for me and different for you. Well, 
And the other way, like it could be type one diabetes, like that wasn't diagnosed to. And also like it, maybe if it's just really bad diabetes and it's advanced into that, like you're just peeing out all your sugar and all that. So if it's like not early stage, the person will be then. Yeah. To see. The question here, does it mean that once diagnosed, I say, does it mean that we have to stay with the meds every day of our lives? Unfortunately, um, if you don't, if you are not able to try to reverse it early on, then most likely you will have to be on medications for the majority of your lives. Um, there gets to a point in time where you just talk to your provider and if you had a lot of birthdays and you know what, if we are taking these medications to try to prevent something from happening 10, 12 years down the line and we might not have 10 to 12 years, then we can start weaning back some of those meds. But now if you get diagnosed like in your 30s and you just have that high level of blood sugar that your body is just not really knowing how to take care of and manage on its own, that you do need that help with the medications. Um, there are, yeah, and I would say the only other times is like, say if you have like weight loss surgery, weight loss surgery has been found to um, make be curative to where you don't necessarily need to be on it. But for the most part, it's just a party now. But it's much better to stay on the meds than the, you know, get blindness or all the other things. Dr. Wang talked about like kidney disease, all these strokes. You know, you want to, it's better to take the medicines than to not if you do have diabetes. Yeah. Because you can, I mean, by taking the medications, you get to live to the point where we can talk to you about taking them off, right? Opposed to it getting to where you don't and then you have these bad complications. These have been great questions, guys. Thank you so much. I don't know if we have much access in um, back home um, to, um, uh, what they call those insulin uh, pumps um, for people that have difficulty doing the insulin injections and having difficulty maintaining their blood glucose. Like that's a, you have the glucometers and then the insulin pump that just sticks with you and then you just have to adjust it and rather than having to you know, do the insulin shots. Um, I think that's typically the, the typical the indications for that. Um, but I don't know how much access we have to it. Um, you know, I don't know either. Uh, I would be... I would, I know for at least for type 1 diabetes, right? And so type 1 diabetes is the um, one where it's an autoimmune disease where you're not um, producing, you don't produce insulin. And so because type 1 diabetes is so well known, I would assume that they would have it back home for those who have type 1 diabetes. It's now how we got to the point where we're recognizing that some people with type 2 could benefit from it as well. Um, and just another thing about a complication of having type 2 diabetes for too long, you can have something called like burnout, where your pancreas, which is that organ that helps release insulin, has just worked so hard that it just is not producing insulin at all anymore. And so you have some people who go from type 2 diabetes and then transition to type 1 diabetes. And so because that is also a that happens, I would believe that we should. It just depends on like the um, typical indications for it. Um so there's another question here in Nigeria, carbohydrates, how we are discouraged from eating certain foods. What kind of Nigerian foods can you advise us to eat? I know you're Nigerian and you know about our foods. Yes. So a lot of our, although delicious, are not necessarily the best for us. And so um, our fufu and soup, the meal of champion, is, has a lot of those like excess carbohydrates in it. And so what I say is that, I, like I said earlier, I feel like food helps bring us together. Um, it helps for us to continue our culture and help to celebrate that. It's just eat it in moderation. And so instead of having swallow and soup every day, have it like once a week, right? The rice, um, jollof rice, uh, coconut rice, fried rice, all these types of rice dishes, uh, 
try to, instead of having like the full plate you filled with rice and then you have your um, protein, which is like one or two pieces of meat, have like half of the plate with rice and add a vegetable to that and add your lean protein. And so just make some adjustments to it. The other thing um, that I've been like kind of talking to my parents about is using different ingredients to make the same food, right? So if you're cooking and you're trying to make your soup, instead of using palm oil, you use like avocado oil, regular oil, and then you can grind um, red pepper to give that um, the color. And so that way you can still have the color and you're not using that high saturated fat oil. If you are somebody who loves to have your swallow and soup, instead of using um, farina, um, pounded yam, things like that, use oatmeal. You know, that's like more that uh, it's high carb, but it also has a lot of good fiber and a lot of other things that help combat it. Um, so just making some different changes. There's a online, there are a lot of people who are trying to help us continue our culture with the foods that we eat, but doing it in a healthier manner. And you can be able to check to see some alternatives or some changes that you can make. Um, another thing is like with agusi, if you're making agusi soup, instead of using actual true agusi, you can just grind pumpkin seeds and that works a little bit better and it's healthier for you and can still give you that same outcome. So I don't want to ever tell anybody to stop eating things. It's just try to reduce how often you eat them and then you can make some alterations if it's something that you want to eat more. Alcohol kind of diabetic, diabetic patient take in a week. I would say most typically for men and women in general, we say like one drink a week. I would say if you stick to that, you're probably going to be fine. Um, one drink meaning one shot of like alcohol in a cocktail or um, six ounces of wine. And so that's for, I would say that's for both men and women. Yeah, I had the uh, once a week swallow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> once a week swallow is enough. Yeah, Dr. Ruff probably doesn't hit the swallow. Oh, I'm good. These look great. I'm going to try them out. <laughs> any, any other questions? How much eggs? <laughs> All really just depends on your body type. If you want to eat eggs every day, um, you're worried about the cholesterol that is in the yolk. An option for you to do is to remove the yolk. And so um, I don't think there's necessarily a number that is like not safe. I do recommend cooking your eggs. I know some people will like to eat eggs raw. Um, that increases your risk for like salmonella. We have some infectious disease doctors who probably are like, please don't. <laughs> please don't eat your eggs raw. Um, cook them. And then if you're concerned about some of the unhealthy parts of it, um, you can just remove the yolk. A quick, easy way to do it is you break your egg in half and then you try to like scoop out the yolk. You take the yolk, go side to side and let the egg whites fall throughout. The question is, yeah. oh, just one from my end here. Um, So if, is there, are there people that should be on cholesterol medications if they have diabetes? Um, Yes. And so because there is such a high link to heart disease um, and high cholesterol with diabetes, if you have diabetes, most times you are started on a cholesterol medication. And that is just to help prevent um, coronary heart disease, which is where you have that high fat and cholesterol that sticks to the inside of your blood vessels that supply your heart. I like to think about it as like a clogged pipe. And so if you have more and more things that are clogging up your pie, it makes it harder for that blood to go through, which can cause that chest pain that you feel. And then it can also end up, if you have too much um, clogged pipe and that clog keeps like going around and circling around, as you're having more and more blood flow, and because there's so much clogged in your pipe, you're having to push a lot harder, it can end up breaking off one of those pieces of clogs that can go to your brain and cause the stroke or go into your heart and cause a heart attack. And so we start you on the, the um, cholesterol medication to try to prevent that from happening. 
Um, personally, in Nigeria, we are stressed with the hardship and difficult times. How do you suggest we cope with the lifestyle changes? Nigeria is a very rough place, unfortunately. Um, depending on what your life's like, your social circumstances and your financial income is. And so, um, an alternative food to swallow is, I mean, it really depends on what you can and cannot afford, right? And so, if fufu is like swallow is the main thing that you can have, then you can try to do oatmeal. Oatmeal is accessible anywhere and oatmeal is pretty cheap. And so, that way you could have that instead. Now, having access to the vegetables, right? And so, if you would rather have, um, like your soup, instead of having big swallow, small soup, have a bigger portion of soup and eat that instead of the smaller swallow. Um, other foods that you could have at home, um, couscous is another like grain that is actually pretty affordable that is on the healthier side. And so using that instead of having that once a week swallow, um, increasing your vegetables, just having like raw vegetables, broccoli, a spread of like broccoli, cauliflower, um, carrots, uh, greens, if you just cook your greens, the, instead of cooking them and adding them to oil, just saute them and have that with your fish or with your chicken or with your turkey. So you can get pretty creative with your intake and have it all be determined by your income status. You just have to get a little bit more creative with that. Um, and then to your second question, when it comes to the hardships and the difficult times, um, I feel like coping with those lifestyle changes is reaching out to like your family if you have a strong connection with your family reaching out and continuing to connect with your faith um trying to talk to our politicians and our community leaders is not as effective as it is in the united states but um trying to practice your voice when it comes to voting for things and just hoping that there's no longer any corruption when it comes to that aspect of stuff but i just say when it with the stresses and the hardships at home, like leaning on your family, leaning on your faith and just trying to press through and see the positives and go from day to day is the best thing that you could possibly do. I don't really have a magic wand to make any other recommendations or do anything else. So I'm sorry about that. The next question is any benefit from switching from white bread to wheat bread? And so the um, wheat love lowers blood sugar. And so the benefit of wheat bread versus white bread is that wheat bread has more fiber, it has more nutrients, and it has more protein in it than just white bread. And so although, yes, it still gets broken down into a carbon and sugar, you have some other things that can help offset your body from um, just keeping that blood sugar around. And so like having more fiber um, really tells your body like, okay, we can use this, we can store it, we can use this, we can use it at energy, and we can also help excrete it, right? The more fiber we have, the better that our colon does of like creating creating stool, creating poop. And so we can help get that out of our system in that way as well. Um, okay. Femi, do you want to answer? You have a question? Oh, I was getting ready to talk to you. Uh, I did have a question about a problem on everyday workout and fit up and stuff. What would be a good um, type of food you eat to just reduce love, like big stomach and stuff? So um, to help reduce, like to lose weight, right? So you can... There's a well, lot. Not necessarily lose weight. I'm specifically to the stomach, like the big belly. Yes. And so you... For most of them, that big belly is coming from the food that you're eating, right? It's the food that you're eating and the also alcohol that you're drinking uh, and you're not being as active. And so that big belly is that central obesity that I had mentioned. And so you can have a thin person with that big belly, like you said. And so the main things to try to help reduce that is to try to eat um, very similar to the plate that the American Diabetes Association had recommended, having like higher starchy vegetables, um, adding more lean meats to your diet instead of doing like beef, pork, lamb, start doing fish, shellfish, and chicken and turkey. Instead of having like potatoes, yam, and then rice, you know, having 
broccoli asparagus, um, broccoli asparagus zucchini. And so changing those diets that have like lower carbs or lower glycemic diet, as well as like higher in those better fats for you. Um, and then you had mentioned like running sit-ups and all those things. There are plenty of ways to be active. That is not just that hitting the gym hard every single day. And so you can just do walking. You can just turn on your um, TV, put on YouTube and put on an exercise video that is like just a dance or a Zumba where you're dancing and you're moving around, but you're also picking, like building up a sweat, increasing your heart rate and increasing your work and demand that will make you be active. And it's probably a lot more fun than doing setups or torching yourself in the gym. And so I like to say, find something that is active that you enjoy that could bring you community and could be a lot more fun so you keep doing it right you're not going to do something that you don't enjoy and so there are plenty of different ways to stay active um another thing to take into consideration is what are you capable of doing health-wise if you have like ailments or things and so talking to your doctor and letting them know like hey i want to get more active i want to start doing things i want to start working out and living a healthier lifestyle what are some things that i can do safely and go from there uh this early morning water does early morning drinking water have a significant impact on this? Um, water, drinking water will always be in your benefit. I don't think necessarily the timing of when you drink water will make much of a difference. Um, I think just staying well hydrated and choosing water over sugary drinks like pop or soda, um, juice, things like that. You choosing water over them is much better for you. Um, if you are somebody who likes having a taste and don't necessarily like the taste of water, um, if you can, like adding like slices of fruit, lemon, lime, strawberry, things of that sort help. And also like the um, water enhancers aren't as um, high sugar content. And so like your meals or your crystallite packets, if you do like the, um, they have crystallite packets that are good with low sugar content that you can use instead. Um, and so oatmeal is not cheap in Nigeria. Fufu and white bread are slightly affordable now. We know that their glycemic indexes are high. Do we have to drop these foods entirely? I do not subscribe to dropping the food entirely. Um, like I had said, I think just eating them in moderation, uh, if that is the food that you can afford, you know, you just do the best that you can. Uh, the other things are you can, um, vegetables, like canned vegetables are still vegetables. You know, the difference between canned vegetables and fresh vegetables is that as you're preparing canned vegetables, which do tend to be a lot cheaper, you just rinse them underwater because they are filled with preservatives, filled with salt. And so I always have everyone take their canned vegetables, pour it into the strainer and then rinse it under hot water for 30 seconds to help get off that excess salts. And so if financial constraints are an issue and you do want to increase your vegetable intake using canned vegetables or even frozen vegetables is a good way to help combat that. And so the same way that you're going to the grocery store and you're picking up the white bread and things, pick up a can of vegetables, a can or a frozen pack of vegetables and use those to replace that white bread for that meal. Any more questions? Yeah. Oh, well. I think we, we've done an hour and we're very grateful to you for giving us some of your time on this. I'm sure the weather is lovely up there in MD, um, beautiful Saturday, uh, to educate us uh, on diabetes. I, I hope everyone's gained something. I know everyone, I know I gained something. I know some people, most people here gained something from it. We really, really appreciate you. We hope we can have you back here again sometime. Have all been lovely. Your questions were great. Um, they're very like questions that really impact us every single day. And so, thank you so much for spending time with me, for listening to me. And-